0: Lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The
1: Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show live and on demand right here. On Blaze TV, radio, and podcast, Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, and of course all of you, let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. D-E-A-C-E is the last name. That's how you spell it. You can also uh, look us up on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show and look for Steve Dace as well on MeWe, Gab. And parlor, if you prefer more free speech, you can also go to YouTube.com/slash Steve But as we warned you, often you're no longer going to be able to get uh, after production uh, tape delayed full episodes anymore because we're just tired of dealing with the YouTube censors. Apparently, they think they even know more about COVID than the governor of the largest state uh, of the of the best large state success story, as well as an expert panel of people from Stanford. Harvard and Oxford. They apparently know even more than those people do. We're just not, I'm not dealing with those things anymore. I, I don't care. I don't make enough money off of it to deal with it. And frankly, there wouldn't be an amount of money they could offer me that would cause me to deal with it anyway. So we're just not. We're just not putting those things in the show anymore. So that's why you want to subscribe at blazetv.com slash Dace so that you don't have to worry about big tech censorship. You can also give us a shot at rumble.com Slash Steve Dace show. They still seem to believe in free speech, all of there over there. Also, you guys still seem to believe in our book, Fauci and Bargain, the most powerful and dangerous bureaucrat in American history. We crossed on Tuesday, uh, which was the one week anniversary of its release. We went over 50,000 print copies of this book sold in a week. In a week. Uh, Yesterday, we hit number four on USA Today's bestsellers list. Uh, That's of every book, every genre. Uh, And it's the highest our publisher, Post Hill Press, has ever had a book on that list. Uh, The audio version also debuted last night, read by our very own Aaron McIntyre. So we've gotten a ton of questions about, hey, when's the audio version out? That is out now. So again, we just... We cannot thank all of you enough for the, uh, the smash success of this book. Um, I've I, I got a lot of friends in the last uh, few days. I wasn't aware I had or people that I didn't think were friends and now kind of suddenly are a
2: newfound respect.
1: Yes, indeed. It's the old JFK line that victory has a thousand fathers and defeat is an orphan. Right. Uh, We've experienced a little bit of that around here, but that's okay. I mean, and um, we appreciate that. And all of you, Uh, I mean, we're well over 700 reviews to the book uh, already as well. Again, all in just over a week. Of release, we we just are blown away by the success of the book. We thought it was going to be uh, the most successful book we've ever written, but I mean, this is going to be, folks. There's, my publisher tells me there's there's less than a hundred books a year that will sell, and that includes classics, everything, new releases, classics, everything. There's less than a um, hundred books a year that will sell fifty thousand copies, and we did that in a week. I I don't even know what to say. I mean, I just, these numbers are just like so far beyond me. Uh, I was given some names of some uh, people with some fairly big platforms who we have outsold already with this book. I won't share their names because we'd actually like to get on their platforms talk about the book so we can sell more to get the message out. But um, we are walking in some, uh, as as arguably the greatest country music band of all time, Alabama once sang, we are walking in some high cotton right now all right and uh we can't thank all of you for that enough so thank you and the audio version is now out all right um what's on the audio version of today's program at the bottom of the hour uh a couple of days ago we played for you a grassroots ad out of tennessee uh where people you know our theme this year is the answer is us so just a grassroots group of people raising the money to run an ad Enough with the masks, enough of the useless Chinese face diapers. They're going after their governor now, their Republican governor, for going weak in the knees on that. We're going to talk to an individual uh, about that effort, and maybe that's something you can emulate, uh, a group of you can emulate in your state. We'll get into that here at the bottom of the hour. Uh, Next hour, I'm looking forward to our Theology Thursday. I look forward to it every week. But um, it's it's one of our most popular segments each week. But this week we have a, a question from a, a listener slash viewer. And I always say that because I don't know who, you know, is watching on Blaze TV or, or just listening to the pod. I've, I don't know if I've gotten this question before. You know, normally people say, I don't want to believe that Christianity is true. And here are my objections to it. Right? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean... It's rare that someone comes to us and says, I want to believe this is true and I still do not. That is not typical of the, the, the typical evangelism paradigm uh, that we face uh, from individuals or a corporate a, a culture at large. But I thought this was such a unique challenge that we would be remiss if we didn't take it up. So we're going to do that. Uh, Next hour for Theology Thursday. And then Aaron will be here with three non-political questions. Did you remember?
2: Plead the fifth, Your Honor.
1: Yeah. Well, now he knows. But he did remember what
2: happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by words don't have meaning. Senator Kirsten Kirsten Gilligillibrand tweets, paid leave is infrastructure, child care is infrastructure, caregiving is infrastructure. Yes, infrastructure is the word du jour and nobody seems to know what it means as Democrats along with the White House attempt to pass a massive tax hike to fund a <clears throat> infrastructure bill that would be loaded with all sorts of social programs. Maybe Joe Biden can shed some. Light on what infrastructure means to him. To
1: automatically say that the only thing is infrastructure is a highway, a bridge, or whatever—that's just not rational. I think the vast majority of Americans think everything from the sewer pipes to the to the uh, uh, the, the sewer facilities to the water pipes. I think they're infrastructure.
2: On the topic of not knowing definitions, here's White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki on religious liberty.
1: What does the president? Think?
3: who we know is Catholic, uh, say to Catholic doctors, Catholic institutions who are fearful that if the Equality Act passes, it has the potential to trample on their conscience rights. What does the president say to those people who are
0: He has a difference of opinion, and he respects their difference of opinion, but uh, he has been a supporter of the Equality Act, uh, and he also is a practicing
1: Catholic
2: and attends church uh, nearly every week. Learning Spanish today, today's phrase is anti-religious bigotry is infrastructure. El fanatismo anti-religioso es infraestructura. A new Gallup poll finds near record lows of party identification for both Republicans and Democrats. 25% of respondents now identify solely as Republicans. The lowest ever recorded by Gallup is 22% back in 2013. Only 30% of respondents now identify solely as Democrats. That's about at the level it's been for the last eight years with a low of 29% in 2013 as well. You remember last week when we told you about that uh, pastor in Alberta, Canada who was jailed for over a month and then released for failing to obey capacity limitations at his church? After the pastor was released, as you know, he showed up to preach the very next Sunday, drawing a packed crowd once again at Grace Life Church outside Edmonton. It seemed like a fairly triumphant end to yet another startling story of COVID fascism. In case you thought the spirit of the age was just going to take their ball and go home, we have our answer. No. Yesterday, police forces in Edmonton arrived at the church and set up two layers of security fencing to block entrance into the church. Alberta Health Services say they've physically closed the church and is going to prevent access until the church can quote demonstrate the ability to comply with Alberta's chief medical officer of health's restrictions. End quote. Meanwhile, also in Canada, an undated video surfaced recently depicting a crowd in a bustling restaurant in Vancouver driving health ministers out of the establishment who were there to enforce COVID restrictions. track coach in New Hampshire says he was fired for not enforcing mask rules. Pembroke Academy track and field coach Bradley Keyes was fired after posting a letter to his blog that read, quote, I will not put kids on the track and tell them to run any races while wearing a mask. He called the mask mandate senseless and dared the school to fire him, which they did. I just think people haven't pushed back, and I decided it was time to push back. Masks restrict breathing. There's no question about it, especially think about running full speed. The wind is in your face. It's shoving the mask back into your nose and your mouth. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is back in the headlines in the middle of March. He hosted a retrospective roundtable with Stanford public health scholar Scott Atlas, Oxford's Sunetra Gupta, Stanford's Dr. Jay Bhattacharya and Harvard's Dr. Martin Kohldorf on the dangers of lockdown and what made Florida a success story in dealing with the virus. Yesterday with no warning, YouTube removed all traces of the roundtable from its platform with no explanation why. On the matter of the recent 60 Minutes hit piece, DeSantis held a press conference yesterday, debunking the narrative that he engaged in a pay-to-play scheme on vaccine distribution with the grocery store Publix.
3: Even the dimmest bulb in the New York corporate media constellation would be, have been able to realize that was false. You literally take 10 minutes to make a few phone calls. 60 Minutes was in Florida for three months trying to dig up dirt. And the best they could come up with
1: is a half-baked conspiracy theory that literally is readily debunked uh, by talking to, like, two people. Uh, So I think that that means we probably did a pretty good job.
2: And now this from Newsweek. Can blood from young people slow aging? Silicon Valley has bet billions at will. Biotech startups are trying to hack the process of aging and, in the process, stave off the most devastating diseases. And finally, the soft, no, hard bigotry of low expectations. This video by Ami Horowitz is from 2016, but it seems appropriate now.
0: Do you have an opinion on voter ID laws? Uh, yeah, they're usually pretty racist. I think voter ID laws are a way to perpetuate racism. Would you go as far as to say those laws are racist? For sure. Do you think it suppresses the uh, African-American vote? Definitely.
2: Uh, Because they're less likely to have state IDs. These type of people
1: don't live in... Areas with easy access to DMVs or other places where they can get identification. Do you think that's harder for black people to go online? Well, IDs? I feel like they don't have the knowledge of how
2: of like how it works. Do you carry ID? Yes, I do. Do you know anybody, who, any black person who doesn't carry ID? No. Do you have ID? Yes. Because I have my ID and my friends have their ID.
0: So like, we know what we need to carry around. Everybody that I know have ID. Like, that's one of the
3: things you need to walk around with New York with.
2: And that's what happened while we were away.
1: I had never seen that before and it's one of the most racist things I've ever seen in my life.
2: Did you catch that kid that said those type of yeah, people? Yeah, those
1: types of people. Um they couldn't be expected to know how to get an ID. Um they're they're they don't have DMV's in their neighborhoods. They don't have They don't have cars.
0: I'm your average college code is starting to make the Jehovah's witnesses look like a bunch of freewheeling spirits. uh, (laughs) Aaron's montage.
1: um, You need to pour one out after watching that. Luckily our friends over at Bonner private wine or Patriot wine. uh, They can help you out. They are down in Argentina where they make the, the best really dark red wine from Malbec grapes that are grown at 9,000 feet uh, these uh, they, they've lab tested these wines they contain up to 10 times the levels of longevity and heart health uh, with a nutrient called resveratrol uh, that you're looking for uh, that's powerful stuff it pops up again and again in studies on longevity heart health brain health also these wines come with 90 percent less sugar fewer ke- chemicals fewer adds additives if you love steak barbecuing this time of year of red wine goes perfect, helps with uh, not just the taste, but the digestion of red meat, too. And the taste of these wines, we've all tried them. Uh, they're really good. Notes of blackberry, leather, cherry, smoke. Uh, today, right now, the guys at PatriotWine2021.com, they're giving you 50% off their best Malbecs. That's 50% off of shipping, too. So 50% off the wine, 50% off of shipping, too. 50% off the whole thing. Get top class imported wine 50 percent off including the shipping right now and wine makes a great gift even a great gift for yourself at patriot wine 2021.com that's patriotwine2021.com. wine 2021.com all right later today in the overtime which we are going to record after today's program for blaze tv subscribers are our, uh, our friends over at the daily wire have commissioned a professional poll on Major League Baseball's moving of the All-Star game out of Georgia, and also thoughts about politicizing sports and woke corporations in general we're going to go over some of the data that's in that professional poll conducted by the daily wire that's coming up in our overtime today if you're a subscriber we're going to record that for you right after today's program and you'll be able to watch it at blaze dace once it gets uploaded for the rest of you to make sure you don't miss it you also can go to blaze tv.com dace become a subscriber today with a discount at blaze dace so one of the things we love to do for you, and I've I've I have done this with our show from the very beginning. I did this, you know, when I was a sports talk radio host too. I, I you know, if I, I always thought, you know, I came from a fan world when I got into talk radio. I never went to college for communications. I, I didn't have I'd never worked in any professional capacity whatsoever until I was made co-host of a sports talk radio show. And so, I mean, I I walked right in here. I mean, I worked as a as a cub sports reporter at the local newspaper, but I walked right in here. But that wasn't an opinion business that was covering events reporting. You guys remember what that was, right? When we used to just report on things vaguely vaguely. Yeah, I mean, you ever see anything like that in your lifetime, Aaron? Can you remember reporting? Do the what now? Exactly. I mean, that's before you were born. But um, when I got into the opinion business and radio, I'd never done any radio I'd not been professionalized. And so I came to this with a fan's perspective. And I always thought, hey, you know, what do fans want to hear, talk about, you know? And so that's what we did. And we ended up doing things that were considered kind of quirky or innovative at the time um, that ended up being big hits with audiences because I thought like a fan. And I took that attitude with me when I made the transition into news talk. If you guys could sit at the press conference as we get to, if you could get the guests we get, What questions would you want the answers to? Um, What topics would you like us to address? And one of the ways we've tried to help you with that is by connecting dots for you. Letting you, through us, learn some things about the political process that are often hidden from you. That's why I do some of the deep dives on polling that I do. Uh, One of the things I talked about in my previous book, Truth Bombs, is the system is devised so that you right-wingers don't really understand truly the power you have over the system. Now, we have diminished in numbers from the 1980s. We're still one of the most, if not the most potent, in terms of volume and energy, voting block in the country, on either side. And I'm going to prove it to you again here in just a minute. I'm going to connect these dots for you. So I first heard about the Gallup poll, Aaron, that you mentioned in your uh, montage. From Chris Siliza over at uh, CNN, who's a complete and total hack. But he works for CNN, so I apologize for the redundancy. I have repeated myself, okay? And he points out, boy, this is really dangerous, he said, really dangerous, near record no- low of people. Near record low of people identify as Republicans. Now, since it's CNN, he left out the part where a near record low of people also identify. As Democrats, okay, I've not, I've not been a registered Republican for five years. Before that, I had spent um, eight years as a uh, as a registered Republican, just because I got sick of re-registering every year at the Iowa caucus process. And then before that, I spent a good five years again as a registered independent. On a macro national level, the Republican Party is worthless at best enablers and collaborators to the spirit of the age at worst and it's actually very encouraging polling news that record low amounts of americans want to belong and be identified with either one of these parties because both of these parties on a national level hate the american people so it seems like we're finally kind of getting that message here a little bit. Just right? saying, there's a chance. Yeah, I mean, I'm, dude, I'm I'm working now. I got we got Russell Brand on our side on vaccine passports. I'm watching Naomi Wolf was who I found out about what happened to the church in in uh, in Canada that you had in your thing when she tweeted about it last night. I mean, Bill Maher going after wokeism. I mean. I, Dude, I'm just gonna go where the food is. If we agree, man, we're on the same team. You know what I'm saying? You can take your parties and your labels; they all suck and they hate us anyway. And 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 bury them in a hole and throw away the hole. As far as I'm concerned, Uh, send them right into the sun, right at noon. All right, Viking funeral style, and then film it, and then it will get banned by YouTube. But you brought up an interesting little anecdote, Aaron. You know, so Chris is talking about over there at CNN. This is really dangerous for Republicans. Aaron, in your montage, let me, I'm going to connect some dots for you guys here. Okay, You ready for this? Prepare for your mind to be blown. Aaron, in your montage, you mentioned what year was it that was the, that was the lowest amount of people that had been identified as Republicans in the Gallup poll since which year was it? 2013. 2013. Hmm. Lowest amount of people that had identified themselves as Republicans in the Gallup poll since 2013. What happened in 2014?
2: At a midterm election?
1: There was a midterm election in 2014. Not just any midterm election, mind you. Republicans had, I believe it was the second or third greatest one-party swing of Senate seats in a midterm election since Reconstruction. It, went, it was a nine-seat swing. A nine-seat seat swing. Stop and think about it. Nearly 10% of the United States Senate turned over in one election, in one midterm. Nearly 10%, nine seat swing. Republicans went from down four seats to up five, a nine seat swing. And it was the election after the Gallup poll had shown, and by the way, I buy that polling. Gallup, Gallup's party identification polling is some of the best, most accurate polling. In the country. But it's a poll. It's not an analysis. Right? It's a poll. It's not an analysis. It tells you what the numbers are. doesn't tell you what the numbers mean. In fact, Gallup actually got out of primary polling about 10 years ago. Because they no longer trusted that they could do an accurate sampling because primary elections are so volatile. Gallup's one of the last honest ones. Truly, brutally honest ones left. It was actually a a Gallup pollster who wrote a column about 10 years ago pointing out how the Obama administration had jerry-rigged the unemployment formula so he couldn't trust it anymore. So, I mean, Gallup is the granddaddy here, to borrow the Rose Bowl term. They're the granddaddy of all pollsters. They're one of the few ones that have actually, over the years, going back, you know, half a century or more, have attempted to do, like, real work. So, the last time Republicans had numbers this low... They had a historic swing of Senate seats in a midterm election. Um, Do you think Chris Silla's over at CNN knows that? Or does it even matter? Because um, he's a propagandist. But here's why it matters to you. Here's why it matters to you. Those growing numbers of independents Now, with Democrats declining as well, there's a growing number of left-leaning independents too,
0: correct? Sure.
1: Sure. But the last time we saw Republicans this low, they then turned around and won a stunning midterm election victory. Which tells you, this kind of goes back to the COVID debate in the past year. Do you want my study without a control group? Do you want my study or do we want real-time data? Remember that interview that CNN hack did with Harvey Rich over at Yale about hydroxychloroquine yeah. about a year ago? Well, we have studies, and and he's like, "Dude, I've treated like a thousand patients, what are we, and given them this drug. What are, you, what are you talking about? You've got studies. I've got the damn case files. Remember, remember the doctors in California who own the walk-in clinics who mm-hmm. got banned? Yeah. All right. And when I mean, how many patients? They're like we have, we have receipts. You have, you have studies with no control group, so it's not a study, really. It's not a study. Maybe a lot of things, but a study it wouldn't be. But we have case files, patient files, and, and we're giving patients this drug. It's working, and they're not suing us. Okay? Does that matter at
0: all? No? No? Okay? It's the transgender of, transgenderism of medicine. See, that's a boy and that's a girl. No! Yes. We gotta study this. Yes. It, and by
1: the way, if, if you get Fauci and Bargain, we give you a more detailed biography of, of Harvey Risch. Guys... I mean, this guy's, um, I mean, he's...
2: He's he's up in the league with um, Didier Riault.
1: Yes, he's got an arm's length of accreditations and commendations, okay? Now, maybe he did just get suddenly dumb. We've seen that with people, right? Sometimes they do get suddenly dumb, but don't you think he would have gotten his uh, suit off by now if hydroxychloroquine was a dangerous drug and he's out there giving it to hundreds, if not thousands of patients? Of course he would have it'd be a class action lawsuit quicker than you can say Deshaun Watson on Harvey Risch right now, all right? So, here's your study. I have the results. So, we can we can do a study. Who are the independents? Who's this who who's the majority of this booming segment of people that now want to be identified as independents. I we could do a study, we could, right? Or we could have the real time results. So the last time Republicans had this, this low of number in 2013, they turned around a year later and swung nine seats in the United States Senate. So again, you can show me your study. Let's just treat the patient. We got the case file here. Who are the majority of these people that are now using the identity of independent? Who are the majority of them? People like you and I, people like you and I, we don't need studies. When we have results, you do studies when you're not sure what the results are, or you're concerned about taking an action and you're concerned about what the results may be. So you study it before you commit the action, right? You're worried about collateral damage, failure, what the cost of that will be. But once we have real time results, we don't need any more studies. There's a reason why your CDC still keeps presenting to you mask studies when they're not presenting to you mask examples because there aren't any there's not a single example on planet earth come at me every media outlet all your accreditations come at me with every last one of them nowhere on planet earth can you find a data point that masks work nowhere it doesn't exist and I think that Gallup poll because we know what it means Because we have results that show us what it means. I think we should all be greatly encouraged by that. It goes into the conversation we had yesterday about how Tucker Carlson has helped to change the environment. I pointed out a pro-family group that has been notoriously gutless for years. Won't name them, but they're gutless came out and started clubbing Asa Hutchinson yesterday after his interview on Tucker Carlson's show. What this is showing is the environment here is changing. Now, my fear is it's too late. My hope is I think it's too late because I've been trying to get this environment to change for the last 10 years. And so it just seems like it's too late to me because I've been singing this song for how long, right? Congresswoman Lauren Boebert uh, tweeted out yesterday, you know, we have just basically the last few decades handed every culture war issue over to the Democrats and said, hey, to the left, uh, this isn't the hill to die on. And now we're left without any hills to die on. Dude, who does that sound like? You've been listening to me for a long time. How many times have I said stuff like that? Oh, yeah, I agree. So maybe it isn't too late. That's possible. I may be wrong that it just seems like it's too late to me because I've just been saying this for so long and I'm, I'm discouraged that it's taken us this long to get, get this point. So maybe it's not too late. Maybe the timing is just right. We're going to find out though now, because I think we've gotten the point here. Finally, I think we have figured this thing out. You have any thoughts?
0: Well, I was just going to say, you're right to be skeptical. You've seen a lot of mirages in the time. Uh, you've been doing this, but Bo- Boert Bo- Bo- is absolutely uh, uh, one of us, and that exact language. Maybe she's watching the show because that's what we've been using. You know, the, you don't you don't really get to choose the hills to die on anymore. The hills have chosen you, mm-hmm. and that's it. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it that defines your political reality. Otherwise, get out of the way.
1: Case in point. We'll have an example for you when we come back here in a moment. A group, a grassroots group in Tennessee, uh, put up a great ad last week on the uh, complete agate prop propaganda of masks. Now they're taking it to the next step with their latest ad. We'll show that to you and talk to one of its organizers next. <laughs> If you've got some chronic aches and pains, uh, not injury, if you've got an injury, go get uh, obviously, professional medical help. But if you've got stuff of the chronic variety, could be uh, the knee, that uh, tr- the neck, crink in the neck, uh, the-, the shoulder. Uh, for me, it's the left hip flexor. Whichever, which one of those might be you, the underlying cause is likely inflammation and you got to defeat that inflammation before it can cause even permanent damage and a lot of us will use those pain relievers or topical rubs to get us through a moment and there's a reason those sell so much because they they work but it's how they work that's the issue they work in masking the symptoms. They don't actually, the pain, they don't actually deal with the cause. And that's why you want a product like our friends over at Omega XL, backed by 35 years of clinical research. Omega XL will attack the inflammation that is the cause likely of your soreness, aches, and pains. And right now, um, if you want to give it a shot, you can get started with buy one bottle and get a second one for free at OmegaXL.com slash Steve. Again, that's OmegaXL.com slash Steve or give them a call 800-844-4888 that's 800-844-4888 well a few days ago we showed you an ad we absolutely loved by a grassroots group out of Tennessee taking on the dumbassery of the useless Chinese face diaper and now Now they're back for a more serious conversation because they're taking on the weakness of their own Republican governor in a new ad. Watch
2: this. Governor Bill Lee asked me to be in this commercial and use my voice as well as exploit my illness. Along with using me, he's using your tax dollars to make this propaganda, to scare you so you keep obeying. See, I love wearing this mask, out of my dirty jean pocket, then onto my face. It's easy to comply. Comply, because we told you to.
1: Hmm. Uh, A member of that grassroots organization out of Tennessee joins us now as part of our theme this year. The answer is us. They have taken the battle into their own hands. Gary Humble, it's good to have you with us on the show, brother. How
3: are you? Uh, Steve, I'm great. It's great to be with you, man. Hey, yeah. congrats, on your, congrats on your book. I look forward to getting my copy. Thank awesome.
1: you. There is some uh, outstanding data down there uh, that you could uh, rub your governor's nose in it. Uh, on There's a whole chapter sure. devoted to the masquerade. So tell us a little bit about you and your organization, first of all, and how you guys kind of put this effort together. And is this something that can be emulated from others in our audience around the country?
3: I hope so. That That's the goal. I mean, look, we're we're just a group of, of citizens that got together and decided that it was time to stand. We had enough. And so it started out uh, back in August of last year. We filed a lawsuit against Governor Bill Lee, um, essentially attacking the constitutionality of our emergency power statute, uh, which in Tennessee is incredibly broad, mm-hmm. uh, gives him the, the power to issue executive orders with the force of law. Also allows him to delegate powers uh, the statute says as he deems prudent, pretty wide and vague. Uh, and our governor can continue to renew this emergency without any checks from our legislature. So we filed that lawsuit, uh, continued that by filing a lawsuit against our county mayor and our and our county school system and uh, and then begin writing bills, trying to champion some, uh constitutional legislation uh which is not going so well right now in our general assembly Mm -hmm. uh and now we're making ads and doing all sorts of stuff trying to win hearts and minds we're going to be forming a pack getting very very active in 2022 here at the local level and um so we're just a grassroots organization raising a little bit of hell i guess in tennessee
1: What I love about this, too, is just to kind of set the scene of the backdrop of all of this, Uh, uh, the award-winning sports writer Jason Whitlock made a big announcement about a year or so ago. He was moving out of L.A. where he lived for many years. He moved to Nashville. Uh, the Daily Wire uh, earlier this year relocated its offices from yep. uh, California, from Southern California to to Tennessee to Nashville. I, I heard last week we're actually opening up uh, here at the Blaze TV, we're opening up a facility uh, in, in, in your home state as well. All right. And so what what I love about this, and I've used I've talked about this before on the program, is you know, we have a very unique, robust grassroots organizational presence in iowa that it took many many years to cultivate and build uh and now it's kind of taken off on its own to the point that our own governor who i would as, as someone who's covered the covid story on a national basis as much as anyone in the last year i mean I, if, if i was going to rank kim reynolds performance with covid she'd be in the top two or three in the united states and yet despite that She shows up for work at the Capitol Rotunda here in Des Moines on the very first day of the legislative session, and she's got a couple of 100 of her own voters, basically, burning their masks in the Capitol Rotunda, demanding to breathe the free air again in the dead of the Iowa winter. And it's that kind of an environment, though, that keeps someone that's even as done as good a job as a Kim Reynolds on her toes. To a reminder: Hey, we're not going anywhere, and um, we still, you, you know, you you haven't finished the job here. Now, I wouldn't put your governor in her class whatsoever, but your state, though, is a place where people are fleeing to get away from uh, covid stand around the country and yet i love the fact that you guys are like and that's precisely why we shouldn't be wearing these dumb chinese face diapers you know they don't work we know they don't work you know that we know they don't work and yet you keep telling us to put them on anyway any thoughts on that gary
3: well yeah look i mean uh i think at the end of the day this is people are longing for freedom. I think people are tired. They're disgusted. They're done with it. And, you know, to to your point regarding our governor, um, you know, relatively speaking, I I think this is the crux of the issue for me. Relatively speaking, he did what a lot of other governors did. So it's not that he's one of the worst ones out there. My point is, I I don't care what Mm -hmm. he did relative to someone else. I want our governor to obey our constitution Mm -hmm. and I want our legislature to function in the way that it's supposed to in checking those powers and I'm not a fan of my governor spending my taxpayer dollars creating propaganda telling me number one that I need to wear a mask and number two that I need to take a safe and effective vaccine. Uh, How do you know this stuff? This isn't something that should be coming from an elected official. These are decisions we should be making personally. With our physicians, so I'm just I'm kind of I'm I'm kind of over it, but we're we're still perpetuating this stuff this stuff here in Tennessee on a regular basis, and and you're and uh, again to your other point, we've got folks coming in here from all over the country, and I'm meeting a lot of them. They're coming to our rallies, and they're saying. Gary, I'm so glad you're doing this because I don't think you people realize how close you are to the crap that we just left. Y'all got to stop doing this stuff here. Hmm. You know, they, because they see it. They've been here before when you lose liberty slowly over time, you know. So that's my thoughts on that.
1: So, anybody, somebody that's listening right now, Idaho, um, I'm going to. Uh, uh, South Dakota to speak later this month, but that state has obviously been one of the most open states under Christy Ohm for the past year. So um, maybe a state like Ohio, for example, whose Republican Governor Mike DeWine is uh, is just um, lost in love with COVID. I mean, he is he's singing air supply karaoke to COVID nineteen. He can't get enough of it. Okay, so if I, I live in a state like that, where the culture of the state, the the governor of the state ought to know better, which is probably the argument you would make about your state of Tennessee. So I'm in right. a state I'm in a state like that. I'm in a state like West Virginia, where the last three presidential elections, Democrats didn't just not win a county, Gary. They didn't win a precinct. A precinct in the whole state. Okay. I'm in one of those kinds of states and I've got I've got a COVID stan governor. Can you give them some pointers about how you guys got this off the ground in Tennessee that this could be emulated in some other places around the country?
3: Yeah, it's it's important to get active. I mean we got we got loud and vocal really, really quick. One one of the keys that we work with at Tennessee Stands in terms of being active, if you talk to a lot of activists or lobbyists, it's all about you know, building building relationships and building relationships. And one day, if you build enough relationships over the next two or three years, well, you might just get something from a legislature. They, they might they might just give you a little nugget. And my thing is we don't have time for that stuff anymore. And so we've sort of taken the approach that it, it's not necessarily asking permission or trying to build the relationship, though it's not that we're against relationships, but we're in the mode of holding our elected officials accountable to the oath that they swore to secure our liberty. So um, it, it's, it's a matter of being very vocal. We're, co- we're showing up locally, it's a, that's another big thing. We have a group, one of our groups in Knoxville actually, it took them about six to eight months to do this. They showed up week after week after week at their local county commission meeting, petitioning their county commission to dissolve their local board of health which in their county was the entity responsible for all of the mandates. It's interesting here in Tennessee, our governor hasn't made a state mandate, but he's delegated this authority to all of the local tyrants in mm-hmm. Nashville and Memphis and Chattanooga and Knoxville, who are still to this day limiting businesses, curfews, mask mandates, so on and so forth. So they took it locally to their county commission. And I want to say two weeks ago, the county commission finally took the second reading and passed an ordinance to remove authority from their county board of health. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, took, it took them being loud, it took persistence, it took them going there every week. They would show up literally 400 people and they'd, they'd talk in public forum for like four hours and just take and just wear these people out. So that's, you hate to do that. I mean, people are busy, we live busy lives. But it takes but it's us take that active. level of and persistence. Getting active yeah. locally is the key.
1: Yeah, it, it, we are all busy, but it, it's just, it's going for everything, there is a time and a season. And in other times and seasons, we got to do this level of activism and civic engagement on a seasonal basis, an election year or uh, at the end of an election or in a primary cycle. But we're at a time in a season right now where we're frankly not afforded that luxury that we're going to have to make this a more full time, persistent pursuit in order uh, for it to be successful, given the gravity of the moment. Last thing I want to ask you, if you guys, and maybe you are, maybe you're already doing this, but taking this to the next level, which is 30, 40 of us are all going shopping together at Walmart. None of us wearing a mask. They ain't throwing us all out. And we're filming the whole thing. That level of corporate civil disobedience, is that anywhere on your radar? Because I think ultimately, it's going to take that level of action. And, then, and people respect strength, even when it comes from terrible sources, history shows. There's a lot of other people who love to take their masks off inside those places because they know they don't work. They're just afraid to. They see a show of force like that, suddenly the triple braided cord becomes tougher to break. What are your thoughts?
3: That is a that is a very Tennessee stands ish move that we would make, and I think <laughs> I, I think there are some things like that coming. I think for a lot of people, as frustrated frustrated as they've been with the mask mandates, what I see coming is a a much broader frustration with the requirements or potential requirements of the use of vaccine passports. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that issue is what's going to be able to draw in mass some really large protests and civil disobedience, because as as you saw in Florida, DeSantis has really begun to tackle this issue. And he not only restricted the Florida government from requiring vaccine passports, but he restricted businesses themselves Mm -hmm. from making a mandate. We haven't done that in Tennessee. Our governor has taken the stance that, you know, private business can do whatever they want, that whole argument. And so we're, we're going to see vaccine passports here in Tennessee. It's coming. It's coming like a freight train. You're going to have to use them to get into the Titans game, the Nashville Predators games, and, and everywhere else, possibly venture to the grocery store. Who knows where this is going to go? But I think that's going to be the key issue where civil disobedience now is not a choice. It's, it's a duty at that point.
1: Gary, is there a website or anything you want to direct people to? And if there's folks in other states listening, watching yeah. right now, and they want to take a look at what you guys have done and see if it might be a model for them, what would you recommend?
3: yeah tennesseestands.org. Tennesseestands.org. please uh, follow us or you can follow find us on any bit of social media tennessee stands uh subscribe to our email list and i uh, certainly would love to connect and see what we can do to get get this movement get this movement started around the country
1: all right good to see you gary thanks for joining yeah, us brother take care brother. all right Bye bye. any thoughts on our conversation there with gary from tennessee stands
2: really really appreciate what he talked about um with the seat at the table type of of yeah the access-based access-based politics. I I appreciate his reasoning because primarily right now he's absolutely right. We don't have time for that. But if you take a step back and look at maybe the big picture, the, the seat at the table access-based politics model that the conservative movement by and large for my entire lifetime and most of you guys' lifetimes listening and watching as well, that type of approach if you think about it, it's really fundamentally fundamentally rejecting the principle of self-government. Mm-hmm. It fundamentally rejects that principle. Because you know what? In a self-governing republic, you and I, we the people, have a seat at the table. Why? Well, one, it's in the Constitution. But two, we paid for the table. We paid for the seat as well. So yeah, you're damn right. We're going to come and sit down at the table because this is this is our table. So I really... Really appreciate that as well, and um, I think that's I think that's part of kind of what I was talking about yesterday too. Reframing how we think about political activism, 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 and engagement in this time, we don't have time, and so you have to take actions like this and take back what's rightfully yours.
0: Yeah, and uh, going forward, it's really important to remember that. The, the the success of organizations like this ultimately are truly there by establishing a framework that is permanent beyond a moment. We're going to try to rush this thing to return back to normal. Again, we are generationally in a 40 years in the desert. I, I really I mean I think the rest of most of my life and Steve's life at the very least, is going to be about trying to get back to normal it's not going to happen tomorrow and that's the level of force that needs to be we're not going away we are in this for the long haul you can't outlast us you can't possibly hope to you ex- he the terms he used we're going to exhaust you i love that the, because way too many people think that oh, a nice phrase here and there just agreed to if meet in the middle sort of thing no no this guy gets it follow him
1: there's you know i've been debating the notion of access-based activism versus a more leverage or confrontational based system which is what left-wing activists did to the democratic party and now you see the amount of control power and sway that they hold um we went with the access-based system particularly because it pays really really well Uh, i'm sorry Sasan. um uh, uh, oh, we're just nicer. That's why we did it. But the reality is we we just, as a civilization, we don't have time to have that debate any longer. We just, it doesn't really matter what your views on that position are anymore. Um, Pearl Harbor happened. It's time to act. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So uh, there, we don't have time for pontifications. Uh, we're beyond that. It just, uh, the debate's irrelevant now. Act or lose, period. Period. And greetings back with hour two live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre, Todd Erzin and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com. That's the email address, D E A C E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Look for Steve Dace on Parlor, MeWe, and Gab as well. YouTube.com slash Steve Dace or Rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. That's where you're going to find clips of the show to sample and then share with others. And also, if you're a podcast listener, we appreciate you. We would ask, though, that you would show your appreciation for us, too. Hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Uh, leave us a five-star review on whichever podcast platform you use, because the more of those that we get, the more it helps the show to grow, pleases our overlords down there in Dallas, not to mention boost our fragile male egos. So We want to say thank you for all of the thousands of ego boosts that we have already received. Bottom of the hour, we're going to have three non-political questions. Theology Thursday, though, brought to you by our friends over at Raycon. Maybe you feel like you're just always looking at a screen these days, now more than ever. And whether you're an avid news watcher or in serious need of a distraction, unplugging yourself is easier said than done. I love, now that the warmer weather is here, uh, my Saturday workout now, I go on these five-mile walks, just catch up on podcasts and just breathe some fresh air, get out of the house for a while. Really started doing that last year to get used to the 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 eight to ten miles a day of walking that was looking uh, I had to look forward to when we took the kids to Disney World in the fall and then I just realized you know I like doing this so um, but and that's just some great opportunities to put in the Raycon wireless earbuds listen to something great who knows maybe get caught up on podcasts to this show. So whether it's catching up on your favorite podcast or uh, powering through a workout with your pumped up playlist, Raycons in your ears can make all the difference. No dangling wires or stems that get in the way here. They come in a range of colors as well. Always comfortable in ear fit for a more discreet look. I've tried several brands. This actually has the best In ear fit that I have found. Uh, And they can be built to perform anywhere, anytime uh, with water, sweat resistant construction as well. Bluetooth that pairs quickly and seamlessly, and enough battery life for six hours of playtime so that you can unplug for a good long while. And right now, Raycons are offering 15% off of all of their products for our listeners right here at the Steve Day Show. Uh, And all you got to do. To take advantage of those savings is go to buyraycon.com slash Steve. That's R-A-Y C O N, buyraycon.com slash Steve. That's it. Buyraycon.com slash Steve. You get 15% off your entire Raycon order today at buyraycon.com slash Steve. So let's get to theology Thursday. This is we've answered a lot of questions in this uh, segment over the years people with curiosities or skepticisms or challenges uh, or questions about the integrity of the claims of Christianity. I don't know that we've ever received one like this, which is why when I saw it, I said, you know what? If we didn't try to take this one on, we'd kind of be a little gutless. So we got to do this because it's a unique challenge. Maybe some of you that do full-time ministry or evangelism, you've heard this before. I I have not though. Uh, and, And, I mean, faith matters. Well, now with COVID in the past year, it, it has been the number one item of feedback. It has been COVID related in the last year. But historically, on our radio show, matters of faith are the number one topic we get engaged on from you and our audience. So we've gotten a lot of engagements, but I've not heard one quite like this from Ryan. He writes I love reading about Christianity, I read apologetics. And I listen to lectures and podcasts about Christianity, but I'm not a Christian and I don't know if I ever will be. I've been an atheist forever, only got interested in Christianity in the past couple of years. Many of the old reasons for atheism are stuck to me. The idea of a creator caring about human beings in this vast, empty universe seems like wishful thinking. I might be too cynical for faith. I don't know, guys. I'm I'm pretty cynical, guys. Right? Yes. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty cynical, but uh, at least that's what I feel like, Ryan says. The idea of Christianity sounds amazing, and it gives me hope, but I feel like I would only believe it because I want it to be true. I want the truth, not what I want the truth to be, and that makes Christianity seem like a scam in my gut. People tell me I'll feel something when I'm ready. Oh, no, please tell me they didn't do that. Tell me they did not do that.
0: They did. Oh, my gosh.
1: If I could just make one correction to your otherwise thoughtful note, Ryan, you should have switched the sentences around. You should have started with, people will tell me I'll feel something when I'm ready, but I haven't, and I'm beginning to doubt that I will, and then wrote, okay, "Um, I want the truth, not what I want the truth to be, and that makes Christianity seem like a scam in my gut. Because those two sentences actually belong together. I just think you might have them in the, in the wrong order. Okay. Um, he write, goes on to say something very kind. Uh, your show is an important voice to me. Your perspective seems unflinching and brutally honest, which I appreciate. So what should I do? Before we tackle the question itself, have you guys ever heard this before? I have not. I've not received a... a um, a challenge. And, and by the way, challenge to us is not an offensive term. We love them, actually. You know, when I got done with C SPAN the other day, my wife was like, Did they only on purpose line up the callers who disagree with them? I'm like, I hope they did. That'd be a lot more fun. Okay. So, challenge to many uh, uh, yellow bellied Americans today is I'm offended that you challenged me, but we actually. Love challenges. So challenge to us is not a pejorative around here. I just wanted to clarify that, okay? Um, I've not yet, though, been challenged like this. Have you, Todd before?
0: Uh, yeah, but I've been, as you know, you know, up to my eyeballs in liberal circles uh, professionally. Okay. and it's while it's been a lot of bad, it hasn't been all bad. And yeah, I've had some really good faith arguments. A former colleague of mine, but somebody you all know you know, Reed Forgrave, a uh, sports reporter now mm-hmm. who's gone national, but um, I had these kind of questions with him, and he's a man of the left. Mm-hmm.
1: All right, so he also just thought it just it's too good to be true it, it, it basically.
0: Well, something along those lines, like this is, but he wouldn't. He wouldn't say that as an insult. And it's funny. Well, you know, maybe you have this notion that it's good to uh, good to be true because the people you talk to say too good to be true things. Like you'll just get a feeling. That's my first piece of advice. You got to you got to go to some people who are just like yeah no, and surround with them yourself with them regularly, not just a one off, but regularly because I think. A lot of the fog that you are in, in on this issue, you it might not change you, but a lot of the n- nonsense objections will immediately go away. Yeah, hooked on a
1: feeling is a classic tune, bro, but it's not a him. Which is
0: all. Which okay. is also not to say that that's impossible. Steve is the first one to tell you you had some kind of feeling when you rose out of that seat and you tell me that story at the um the uh, what's the, where was it the, the promisekeepers? Thank you, but.
1: Yeah, but my my uh, the feeling I had was to actually not rise out of my seat,
2: brother. Okay, oh, it was to uh, yeah,
1: remain within. Yes, yeah. Aaron, you ever heard a challenge like this before?
2: Not really. Not really. No. I. It, it's it's a little different, and I do think Todd is onto something. That this is stemming from a place of the moralistic therapeutic deism place. Maybe that he's seen the, that version of Christianity that he's seen. Where it's all about f- f- the-, the feeling, the emotional feeling. Feelings mm-hmm. come and they go. Of course, we know that. Um, but I'm sure you'll get into. It's not just we're not just a bunch of spocks over here either. So this is this is interesting, and I think it's a little unique at least for me, anyway. It's a
0: grown-up conversation.
2: It it's feels it's a, it's a very grown-up. It one.
0: feels like he's C.S. Lewis before his conversion, asking J.R.R. Tolkien, "What do you think about this, dude?" Um, but. Those guys also lived like 80 years ago yeah. and we just don't
1: communicate like exactly. this anymore. Exactly. We communicate on a, on a flaccid, shallow emotion based level. The idea that you would challenge me from the perspective of your position defies logic and seems too sentimental in most of of the West in this era we live in, the claims of Christianity come across as the, as the violation of their sentimentality, not a, 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 an emboldening of it. But um, within the church, Ryan and others in our audience who may be thinking like him, we have had an, a, a pandemic of our own in the last few decades. And it's, um, well, in, in, in an actual pandemic, you're worried about a false positive. In a spiritual pandemic, we're concerned about false conversions. Uh, and, you know, Jesus deals with this with the parable of the seed, right? And sometimes the seed, it takes for a little while, but then the waves come, meaning trials, tribulations, challenges come, and they can't stand in the gap and wash away, okay? Uh, they can't, they haven't taken root. They're, they can't stand firm. And I agree Unfortunately, with you, Ryan the atheist. There's a lot of people in American churches today that are hooked on a feeling. And they have felt bad about the bad stuff that they have done or the bad stuff that's been done to them and they they want closure. And 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 they have mistaken that closure or some shallow form of an emotional forgiveness with a conversion with a new life and it's because we make a lot of emotional appeals to people in our in western churches today as opposed to making claims based on truths you know the 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 first sermon really in the history of the christian church i mean st peter goes and says to the people in jerusalem you murdered your messiah he looks them he looks the throng in the eye and tells them this you 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 erased or attempted to erase cuz you can't we can't thwart the will of God as humans. You attempted to erase the culmination of God's redemptive plan for Israel. You did this right to their faces. And there's not like a slam and praise team accompanying the message or there's not like a lengthy disclaimer. All right. Hey, this one this week's a little tough guys, but it's what's up next in the text and we got to go there, you know, so put on your big boy britches. You know what I'm saying? None of that. Dude just came to drop bombs. And he does. Many of Paul's writings are just, which is much of the New Testament, outside of the Gospels, just a series of truth bombs. Words of love now, yes, but seasoned with salt, as Paul himself described them. And salt stings in a wound. Salt stings because it cleanses a wound. what I hear you saying is this just seems too trite. And brother, you're right. It is. So let me lay on you maybe what you haven't heard from some of the podcasts and things you've consulted. They they beat Jesus beyond recognition. If you've ever done any studying of the penalty of crucifixion in ancient Roman culture, what Mel Gibson got an R rating for in the Passion is probably about 25-30% of what really goes on there. It's arguably the most barbaric act of capital punishment we've ever devised as a species. And they did this in full view of the public. People came and watched. They cheered. They enjoyed it. They thought it was justified. And when they were done, they beat him some more. And they beat him some more. And they beat him some more. Again, beyond recognition. The point of a crucifixion was to cause one of the most painful deaths that we had thought of yet as, a, as humans. So the nails are driven in certain strategic places so that you will not just easily bleed out no they're they're driven into those places not just to hold you up on the wood on the tree but also so that they can cause the maximum amount of pain without killing you or even maybe throwing you into shock early so that your body just shuts down and doesn't recognize the pain that is to come the goal is for you to asphyxiate to death you can't breathe When you're hung on there, the effort it takes, you have to raise yourself to breathe. Virtually anybody that was was executed via crucifixion was scourged first. The type of beating that Christ received, but he received one of the worst types. So you were scourged first. They basically tenderized your flesh first. Before they put you up there. And then you were hung there. To hold your body up. But in a position. Also. Where. The simple act of breathing. Could not be performed. In most cases. Without you then. Lifting yourself. Up. In order to get leverage. To exhale. Or inhale. Which of course. If you committed that act of leverage. Would renew. Which pain? The where they put the nails in your body. You'd have to still almost feel that going through all over again because you'd have to wiggle yourself up with those nails inside of you. You'd have to wiggle yourself up with those nails in your flesh. And again, you're already bleeding out, man. You're already scourged. You're already beaten. What were the things? Are they, were they cat-o'-nine-tails? What am I thinking of? What are they called? Where they had the, the metal rods and the metal pieces at the ends of the whips. The cat-o'-nine-tails. Cat yeah, of nine tails. and they would... Pl- that when you were scourged with these things, they would plunge into your flesh and out would come chunks of flesh. So this had occurred even before he's hung. Every time he goes to breathe now, he has to re-experience on some level the nails again in his body because he has to leverage himself up with those nails there in order to breathe it was a long drawn out death on purpose of excruciating pain it was done in full public view basically to scare the hell out of you this is what happens when you cross rome pun intended Did any podcast or anything that you've listened to in the last week, um, perhaps, Ryan, during Holy Week, Good Friday, Easter, any of them share this information with you? Did you, were, you were you told this? this? This is what God incarnate endured for you. And then all the scorn. And then all the mockery. All the rejection. He endured all of that for you. That is the recompense. The penalty. That had to be satisfied. That had to be paid. In order for Ryan you to feel as if you even have any freedom at all. To contemplate these truths. And don't just die and end up in hell forever where you belong and deserve to go, regardless. As do I, as does Todd, as does Aaron, as does everyone within the sound of my voice. There's nothing trite about this. Unfortunately, we have just for Westerners reduced it. To sloganeering in too many cases they spit on him they mocked him they ridiculed him his followers almost all of them deserted him all was left with was his mother another woman and one Apostle the rest ran and fled They left him for dead. This is not about a feeling, brother. It's about justice. The debt had to be paid. His final words it is finished, or a better translation is probably it is accomplished. What is finished? What is accomplished? The wrath of God on a macro level. The law was fulfilled. The wrath of God was accomplished, satisfied. And the price that had to be paid to satisfy that wrath was of such great consequence that there is no other way for you to escape the wrath of God, Ryan. maybe Ryan, you strike me in your email as a as a as as a man, so let me bring it to you, okay? I think maybe you've contemplated this a little too intellectually at times, and maybe our own show has played into that because that's often the way that we discuss faith matters is. An intellectual application of these eternal truths. But let me bring it down to a street level. The cost of what Christ did for you was so high, so anguishing, so punishing, that there is no way for you, Ryan, or for anyone within the sound of my voice to escape an even worse fate in hell for all of eternity apart from being covered by the sacrifice Christ made for you you cannot escape the wrath of God that you are owed and you deserve apart from what Christ already endured for for you you will receive your reward in full apart from Christ. You will suffer a far greater hate fate in hell for all of eternity than even the heinous fate Christ suffered for you on the cross. Minus a true appreciation, understanding and obedience to the magnitude of that sacrifice. Have they ever put it to you like that before? Ryan, Because that's what this is really about justice. And you know who deserves justice first? God. Because no one has been more betrayed than he has been. None of us would exist without him. So his justice had to be satisfied first. And the cost was his own son. And not just some limp-wristed ritual, but a vile, violent, grisly, grotesque execution. That if we put a passion play on in our churches today and accurately depicted it, they'd shut us down for obscenity. That was the cost. That was the price. Maybe that's missing from the podcasts you're, look, you're listening to, the books you're reading. I know that's missing from a lot of our churches, but that was the cost. Jesus gave it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. But without that, you will bear that stain, Ryan. You will. And whether you believe in a holy God or not is irrelevant. Gravity does not exist, Ryan, on the basis of your belief in it. Why do you have a conscience? Where did it come from? Why are you even, where is your ability to reason through these propositions, Ryan, even come from? When the antelope, when the injured antelope lumbers out into the open of the Serengeti, does the lion stop and think, you know, I just mauled one of these suckers? And ate every last bit of meat off its bones. I'm going to let this one go. I just don't think it would be right. Wouldn't be fair. Plus, we can't, you know, cut down too much on the antelope population. No. The instinct of the lion pounces on the injured antelope. And he mauls. And he revels again. Regardless of how much antelope he has already eaten. Because he's not made in the image of God, Ryan. He doesn't have a conscience. He doesn't reason you do because you were and for all of us within the sound of my voice the time of wrestling with this will come to an end and you will stand face to face with your maker and you will have a get out of hell free card or you will not because God's justice will be satisfied First and foremost. Now, has it ever been presented to you like that, Ryan? How many of you listening to me right now have had that presented to you? Anything close to that? Because that's the way we used to present things around here. But we don't anymore. And look what's become of us. Gentlemen, you have any thoughts before we close this out?
0: Yes, I would say to help you receive what Steve said, immediately apply the too good to be true logic, which is understandable, and all us, uh, all of us have, as Christians, sometimes uh, to your own uh, dogma. Because as an atheist, I, I, I assume that you ultimately, you're here, you are speaking, you are talking, you are thinking. I assume you ascribe to evolution. Well, even if you take the mathematics of how long it would take to ultimately go from nothing to something, which mathematicians have done and shown that this is statistically impossible, even if you buy into that, the whole point of it happening is raw survival. It has nothing to do with a morality, just somebody that can survive better. Yet it's gotten to this place where surviving means no longer believing in the two genders that make that surviving, where we kill our offspring, where we don't even want to have sex anymore. We've laid that out on the show before. It's not, the, What you think got us to this point isn't even doing what your fundamentals say brought you to this point. So that is too good to be true. And I think you need to see that as well. And I think you're a man who can and will if he's honest about it.
2: This is you know yesterday I I saw somebody tweet what branches of Christianity best line up with libertarianism? <laughs> <laughs> I think you got your priorities mixed up there, my friend. Yeah. Or anyism this for is that matter. Anyism, exactly. This is not a matter that you can pick and choose, you know, my wife and I are thinking about um moving to a little bit bigger place before before um before the baby comes in August. And we don't, you know, when we when we go through that process, we look at some places and we're like, "Well, maybe that's too good to be true." Oh, that's too good to be true. I don't really like that. That's that's what you do as a consumer. Your soul is not your own. You don't really you don't really Um, at the end of the day, uh, have a choice whether or not things are true or not. Either they are or they are not. Either they are or they are not. Christ died for all of us, the believers and the unbelievers. It is in your hands, though. It is your choice what you do with that. But you either accept it or you do not. There is no too good to be true or I don't like this. That's the gravity of the situation. It's not a consumeristic transaction. We'll come back
1: after that fire and brimstone. We'll just lighten up a little bit, play a game of three non political questions next. We're looking for alternatives. To What can we do with our kids' downtime instead of just putting them in front of a screen? Well, let me tell you about Annie's Kit Clubs. They've got the perfect subscription box for both boys and girls. So right away, you know that they still believe in those two things over there at Annie's Kit Clubs. They've got the Young young Woodworkers Kit Club for the guys, a monthly subscription that puts real tools into your child's hands, including what every boy wants the kid-sized hammer. Uh, Every month, your child's going to receive an all-in-one woodworking kit with all the materials and tools kids need to make an awesome woodworking project with minimal supervision. Minimal supervision, which is good if you're like me. Okay? And you can break down the differences between uh, Calvinism and Arminianism. But when your garage door breaks, you got to call your buddy Joe and have him come and fix it. All right. So the minimal supervision part is key. All right. I don't know, kid. You got me on that one. And for the girls, uh, the Girls Creative Girls Club, you get two fun craft projects every month, complete with easy to follow instructions that will kickstart her creativity through painting, beading, and more. So help your kids... Our kids, do it for the neighbor kids for a gift, your grandkids. Help our kids uh, develop actual skills, master uh, things that go on in the real world or new crafting techniques that help express their creativity. It makes a great gift. Go to Annie's Kit Clubs, A-N-N-I-E-S, annieskitclubs.com slash Steve. Get 75% off your first shipment at annieskitclubs.com slash Steve. It is now time for three non-political questions.
2: Hopefully, and I cannot understate that enough. Hopefully, good questions that I definitely did not think of within oh the last. Hopefully, huh? Few minutes.
1: I feel like what's that? I love those ads. Uh, are about what? Who's this former Saturday Night Live guy? The certainty ads. Oh yeah. Uh, almost surely or whatever. The the this parachute will work. Oh, Tracy Morgan. Yeah, yeah, that that ad yes. is phenomenal. You made me think about that though, in yeah. not an entertaining way there in the last minute. How close You're are welcome. we to
0: get? getting to Aaron just saying what is your mount rushmore of mount rushmores
2: <laughs> I think I've already done that yeah I think nice. I've already done that unfortunately uh we'll go with question number 1 if you could change the definition of any word what would that word be and what would you change the definition to
1: You know what um puritanical or puritanism That is that's that is a pet peeve of mine okay and and and, and hey I say that as a guy that um, i I am no prude. Uh, I think I've demonstrated that on multiple occasions, often to the chagrin of uh, a, a solid segment of our own audience, okay. I am not a prude. Um, you know, when I taught biblical worldview at the homeschool co-op here in town a few years ago, I was told to parents nobody under the age of fifteen in our class because we're gonna talk real issues about sexuality because uh that's really the intersection of almost every conflict we have in our culture today uh and um i'm going to talk to them like they're adults you know they've got the equipment to make a baby so if if your baby isn't old enough yet to hear those things you don't think don't put them in my class okay so um i'm not a prude the but neither were the puritans by the way not a immaculate conception among them and I, I believe they averaged about 14 kids a family, okay? The, the way that we have um, sharted on them uh, when the reality is none of y'all are sitting here in this place called the, these United States of America without them. This is whole thing. This whole thing. Whatever it is now, whatever it once was, whatever it was meant to be, that shining city on a hill, American exceptionalism, America love it or leave it, whatever, whatever, okay? And whatever it, it used to be or we hope it can still be or it once was and maybe again. None of that happens without the Puritans. They, they are, um, they're the engineers here. They, they came in. They're the species that came to the continent. They seeded the waterway with the DNA of the belief system and the value system that gave birth to all of this. And the way that we just shart on them uh, from using that term of their name as almost a swear word, I find it vile and it disgusts me, not to mention it's historically inaccurate. So that's the word I would change the meaning of to its actual one.
0: I would change uh, conservative and it would bring it back. To address all the fundamentals of a word I haven't mentioned in a while, and I believe, but I'm really big on it—not a word, but a uh, a theory of subsidiarity, the appropriate level of government for specific tasks that, yes, are. Moral in their implications. And this is something that uh, Josh Hammer has been doing great work on uh, lately in this discussion before him. It goes back to the So Rab conversations uh, because right now our definition of conservatism allows a guy like Asa Hutchinson in his Southern drawl say, you know, it sounds like a base big government to me to get in there and tell you not to cut your son's balls off. They honestly think they're being conservative, so that ain't going to cut it, and if we actually believed that subsidiarity is at the heart of any functional, grown-up understanding of conservatism, we would all be living our lives differently.
1: By the way, I've been meaning to tell you this for a couple of months, and I just forgot. Okay. So Rob reached out to me on Twitter. Uh, pardon me, folks. A uh, little internal show business. So Rob reached out, DM'd me on Twitter a couple of months ago about a book he has coming out this spring. And I gave him your information because I'm well, like, I knew you'd want to have him on. So.
0: I haven't told you, but I've already got him booked. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> so there you go that was fun yeah i just um, i had completely forgotten our about minds this are becoming one
1: and i knew if if his book came out later mm. on and 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 y- we didn't have him on you'd kill me and so i i wanted to bring that up now i'm sorry didn't mean to interrupt back to the actual oh, program um, Okay,
2: thanks. Uh, the, the word that i would choose is cattywampus you know it's a skew that, that means it's a skew <laughs> incongruent i would just change it to be like an ex uh, you know an exclamatory verb like uh, ah or oh or huzzah that's what I would do.
1: We had like these deep, like we, we, we went to the, the, to the bowels of the respective religious traditions from whence we both came. Right.
2: And he bust out with, with that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I would get rid of birds because I hate birds.
2: <laughs> Oh, nice. That conversation made my mother unsure if I was actually her son. She (laughs) loves birds. Uh, Question number two. What's the most emasculated you've ever seen another man in real life, in person? And then secondary to that, what's the most emasculated you've ever felt?
1: Oh, man. Um, What's the most emasculated I've ever seen another guy? Can... I can come up with my own a lot simpler than I could another one. Only because there's this just happens on such a regular basis that I, I'm, I'm trying to think of one one in particular. I'll, you know what? I'll, I'll choose one because the examples in our culture are rife. But in the 2000, and, you'll, and you're going to like this one, in the 2010 Wisconsin-Michigan football game, uh, this is back when Bielema was, was coaching the Badgers. Wisconsin ran the same play and only one play the entire second half. They just flipped it from strong side to weak side, depending on, you know, what, uh, which side of the hash mark they were on. Okay. So just flip the play. Like you can flip your play on Madden if you want to run it to the strong side or the weak side. Okay. They ran the same play the entire second half over and over. And over again, ran for like 300 yards, never wavered. Um, and since you knew, since if you know anything about Brett Bielema, he let us know after the game that they ran the same play the entire second half <laughs> over and over and over again. that and what Ohio State did to us in Urban's last game in 2018 is uh, amongst the most emasculated I've ever seen other people outside of all of the other examples that exist virtually every single day. Um, what is the most emasculated I have ever felt uh, was Jackson Park Junior High, the year I didn't make the basketball team, and I went out for the wrestling team. And you have to understand, wrestling's not big in Michigan like it is in Iowa. you know. And I mean, I had the wrestling album remember the rest, did you ever have the wrestling album? Like where they had all the theme songs, you know, I'm a real American fight for Mm -hmm. the rights of every man, Hulk Hogan's theme. You never had that album? No. Oh, me and Todd Zylstra, man used to like come out, he had a pool in his backyard with a deck. We used to take turns going Jimmy, Superfly, Snuka off the top uh, uh, rail, which drove his mom nuts, thinking we were going to fall down and break our necks with the, with the elbow drops, like like he did Don Morocco in WrestleMania off the top of the steel cage. Okay, I'm, people are losing their minds over the fact that I have, how much of this minutiae I <laughs> I love I a good
0: Don Morocco reference. Yes,
1: but uh, I thought that's what wrestling was, right? And yes. so me and me and this other guy named Brad. I think the other guy's name was Brad. We're the last two cuts in the basketball please, team. Please, please, God,
0: tell me that Steve gets suspended from school for a camel clutch violation, please. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a lot worse than that. <laughs> and so Brad and I, I think the other kid's name was Brad. We were the last two cuts in the basketball team. We we go into the wrestling room, you know, and we thought, hey, this would be cool. You know, we're only 12 years old. So like guys are warming up and we're like, why are they wearing like water polo helmets? And what is with these really short uniforms they have on, you know? And like, we're doing like Irish whips and figure four leg locks. Okay. And, and cause we think this is what wrestling is. And they get in there and start doing bear crawls. And, and I mean, it was humiliating. I was a late puberty bloomer. And so the, the, um, the singlet, did not um, bulge in the places it was supposed to, but unfortunately bulged in some places it was not. Uh, I, I won one match, and it's because uh, there was some outbreak. I don't remember now if it was flu or measles or something at Sparta middle school. Uh, and they didn't have anybody to wrestle my weight, uh, which was like 117 or 120 or something. And so I won by forfeit, and that was my only win. Every other match I got pinned, one match I got pinned in a minute. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was so humiliating. It's the only thing Dave ever let me quit ever, ever. He's like, you want to quit, don't you? And I wasn't, I wasn't sure if I was being challenged, right? Because if Dave said you wanted to quit, you were supposed to, nope, never, never. Right. This was the one time I was like, yeah. And I, and I thought I'll, I'll take whatever's coming my way for punking out. I just, I've got to, I've got to be honest. And he looked at me and said, it's really embarrassing the hell out of us. Go ahead and quit. All right, that's, that's the most emasculated I've ever been. Okay, Jackson Park Junior High, 1986. Not that I'm still uh, scarred by it or anything. I remembered it in great detail. Yes, uh, it,
0: the first time you, as a grown man, which learn how to use a gun, that's emasculating because a dude is he knows something that you should know as an as an adult and and. You know, you don't know. I don't know how to load it, how to touch it. It feels, at least for me, the first time I did. You know, it feels like you're grabbing a live grenade. It, you just know the power of the weapon, and at the end of the day, you train. It's just a tool, like anything else, like your lawnmower or whatever. You just. But until then, you know you. So that's that's an emasculating feeling. One, uh, there was once this ref, refereeing a soccer game. And I I agree. I find soccer not not that I know all that was. Finally, I walked right into that. It's a breakthrough on a rake there, Todd. But I got listen. I I used to umpire professional baseball. I got into refing soccer because I made my daughter's referee soccer because they needed to learn that side of it and not just be ripping on people, which it wasn't they're prone to. But this is what people end up doing. They think they know everything about something they know nothing about. So, but then I would ref with them and I would show them the ropes. Well, there was one time this one dad coach on a rec team it wasn't like typical thing it was silly and he said something that was so ridiculous to me my daughter was standing right there and she was like 14 at the time and she's not she didn't do it on purpose she giggled right in his face because it was so preposterous i was like see
1: yeah
0: truth right there
1: yeah (laughs) all right before we get to the third question let me tell you about real estate agents i com because trying to sell your home in any market any economic environment can be challenging but especially in these unprecedented times. Bing. Thank you. Oh, we got it in stereo this time. I liked it, all right? Uh, You want to make sure you can find an agent that will come in and take charge of the situation, but remembers who's ultimately in charge of the situation. That's you. Uh, they can be trusted. They've got a fully vetted uh, track record of success. Where would you find such an agent? Well, the good news is the name kind of says it all. RealestateagentsItrust.com That's where you're going to find the kind of agents that you're looking for just about anywhere in the country. And often they come from within our own audience. All right. Uh, you. We can help find an agent that will finally deliver for you the results you're looking for during what can be one of the more stressful things you'll ever try to do real estate. All right. Realestateagentsitrust.com. That's the name. That's all you got to remember. Go to that website. Realestateagentsitrust.com.
2: Uh, for me, the most emasculated um, I've ever seen uh, an, another dude in in person. Um, man, I, it's got to be uh, it's gotta be, uh, on the football field to practice one time, one of the, one of the upperclassmen decided at the end of the year during our, uh, our fun conditioning activity corners, you know, with the big uh, tackling dummies that you carry across and you try to meet in the mint middle and, and hit each other. One of the upperclassmen decided to pick on one of the freshmen, one of the scrawniest kids on the team. And, uh and just completely lit him up in the middle of the field just because he thought it was fun. Also hey, happens that that was the most uh, emasculated I've ever been. I
0: need to uh, change. I, <laughs> I, knew, I thought there was going to be a land. I was waiting for it. You got yes. me thinking. I got to change my answer to David French saying Drag Queen story as the price of freedom. That's the most emasculated. There, you know, thank you. Reason. Thank you. All right, this has to be rapid fire.
2: Uh, number three, what's the most controversial opinion on food that you possess?
1: Um, I... Uh, probably people get offended when I point out on Thanksgiving, I, my mom is even disgusted by this. Uh, I, I, just would rather have stovetop stuffing than the homemade stuff where you throw the oysters, you know, and I of newt and wing of bat and all that other stuff. Just, I'm, I'm a terrible, ugly American. Just give me the stovetop out of the box. People lose their minds when I have that take.
0: Apparently that hot dogs aren't a sandwich. Because that's like... I, I don't even know where this debate... Where did that yeah. debate even
2: come from? I don't know. Yeah, okay.
0: Stop. People. I saying
2: that uh, Reese's are candies. They are not candy bars.
0: Oh, that... Oh, God. I, for- <laughs> I had forgotten about that one. <laughs> to the Lord. All right, we're going to stick around and do the
1: overtime for our Blaze TV subscribers. For the rest of you, we will see you tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV. Until then, John 317.